1: E-commerce success starts right here. You're listening to Practical
0: E-commerce, the podcast for e-commerce results. Okay, welcome back to another uh, Practical E-commerce magazine podcast. Uh, This month is December 2005, and what we have is the interview from our magazine this month with a state senator from North Dakota named Dwight Cook, who is uh, sort of spearheading the streamlined sales tax project. Uh, if you're not familiar with what the streamlined Sales Tax Project is, um, you know, take a look at our magazine. It's been a hot topic lately. Uh, it has to do with the way that online businesses are are charged sales tax. Um, in the past, it's been a very fuzzy issue, and it has been something that has, for the most part, been so ambiguous that everybody's just sort of looked the other way. But uh, this is an issue that revolves around billions of dollars of revenue made online, and... Uh, States are starting to band together. There's a, there's a lot of work being done to uh, simplify the sales tax laws so that online businesses can be taxed and also uh, will have an easier time figuring out their tax. So uh, our staff writer Michael Cox had a chance to speak with Senator Dwight Cook from North Dakota, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Mike and, and uh, enjoy the interview.
1: All right, um, we're talking with uh, Senator Dwight Cook, state senator from uh, the state of North Dakota one of the uh, prominent figures in the, the uh, Streamline Sales Tax Project. And uh, Senator Cook, uh, I'm wondering if you can give us a thumbnail sketch on how this whole sales tax project thing got started.
2: Well, Mike, I can I'll sure give it a try. I think we go back to the early 1990s uh, when the state of North Dakota uh, tried to get a out-of-state catalog company called Quill. Uh, that was selling office supplies into North Dakota. But North Dakota tried to uh, insist that Quill was uh, would collect and remit our sales tax. Uh, that went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled on behalf of Quill, uh, and their reason was that the administration of state sales tax laws are so complex that it would place an undue burden on uh, remote sellers to have to collect and remit it and so based on that supreme court decision uh, the national council of state legislatures a group of uh, it's a legislative organization and the national uh, council of governors both started to figure out a way to for states to get at the table and simplify their sales tax laws and and that got put into place in the early uh, turn of the century here in about two thousand one north dakota passed laws to uh, to join the rest of the states and uh, the implementing states was formed. Uh, today we've got 44 states sitting at that table. Uh, we have a uh, agreement that uh, uh, takes a big step in simplifying uh, the administration of sales tax and we have 13 states that uh, are in full compliance of the agreement.
1: Now I understand that uh, when, this, uh, when this thing first sort of uh, I guess exploded uh, on the the retail scene and of course the internet became a big factor in, in doing a lot of interstate sales. Uh, the biggest problem is the number of different taxing entities. How many are there?
2: That's uh, that's exactly right. We have over 7,000 local taxing jurisdictions in the United States, and uh, the uh, individual authority that each one of these local jurisdictions has varies by state. but. In some cases, uh, these local jurisdictions, counties or cities, uh, they uh, they levy their own tax, they determine what is taxed, and they collect their own tax. And so that's probably, uh, if you're a retailer and anybody that collects and remits sales tax, uh, they understand the complexity of uh, these local jurisdictions, and that was probably our biggest challenge.
1: Now, I would have guessed the next biggest challenge is getting, uh, in essence, 7,000, 000- different people to, to agree. What were some of the things that, that created acrimony during all of the negotiations and the meetings?
2: Well, it's, uh, that was definitely one issue, uh, the local jurisdictions. And we, uh, you know, to really simplify, uh, streamline, uh, one option one might rationalize is to eliminate all these local jurisdictions. Politically that was never an option. So we had to simplify the administration. One of the changes, of course, is that uh, if a state has local jurisdictions, the state has to collect and remit the sales tax. So uh, you would there would be one central collection point, and then that state would uh, send those taxes to the local jurisdiction. Another issue was that the, uh, the tax base of the local jurisdiction had to be the same as the state. If the state taxed it, then the local jurisdiction had to tax it, and vice versa. Uh, that's uh, the two that come to the front of my mind.
1: Now, uh, I, well. I would guess that no two states treat different things that are taxed the same. For example, in some states, uh, food is taxed, and in some states, food isn't taxed. But then isn't there a deeper question on what actually constitutes food?
2: Uh, that's right, yeah, what what constitutes food, what constitutes candy. Uh, really, there's four issues under this uh, uh, heading of what we might eat or drink. Uh, there's groceries or food, there's prepared food, there's candy, and then there's pop.
1: I understand some, candy was a, was a. there was a lot of discussion about candy.
2: It took us some time to finally come up with a definition of candy that would be uniform uh, through all the states. Uh, in other words, a state determines whether it taxes candy, uh, but... Let candy be candy in all the states.
1: <laughs> it was um, crazy.
2: Unbelievable. We ended up with a definition regarding flour. And, uh, for example, uh, licorice used to be candy in many states. It's groceries now. Oh, really? Sure. Okay.
1: Uh, so even though the Supreme Court back in 92 said uh, that this burden would, would create a problem for all of the retailers, um, that didn't uh, wipe out the... Uh, the obligation to collect
2: and remit sales taxes, did it? No, it didn't. Uh, And a lot of people, that's a a very good question, because there's a lot of people that think that when Quill prevailed that uh, the Supreme Court had said it's illegal to force remote sellers. It's not. It's the reason, of course, is because of the uh, complexity of it. Uh, So once we remove the complexity, we fully expect Congress to overturn Quill versus North Dakota. Uh, with legislation, and that legislation is about to be introduced.
1: So, at this point in uh, in history, um, we have uh, we have, I think, enough states and enough representative population to put uh, your project into force. Is that right?
2: We have uh, one of the uh, uh, criteria that we set upon ourselves before we implemented this is that we needed at least ten states. With at least twenty percent of the population from the states that have a sales tax, we had to have them in conformance before we started it, and we reached that goal on October one of two thousand five, uh, with thirteen states and twenty percent. And we have uh, we have six other states, I believe, that are ready to come on board, and of course, at least twenty five of them that are still at some phase and. And for the most part, all working towards becoming a compliant state.
1: So now that uh, that we're going to move into compliance, what uh, what exactly does that mean to the uh, to the remote seller? Let's say we have somebody out there who who's sort of felt in limbo, and now they they know that uh, that we're going to have to collect and remit sales taxes. What's what what's their job now? What do the, what do they do?
2: Well, i I'd like to answer that two ways. One, uh, what does it mean to those remote sellers who already are collecting every meeting sales tax to multiple states? What it means to them is they will have one place now where they can register uh, for all of the uh, compliance states. And But more importantly than that, uh, of course, it means that there's some simplification uh, regarding the administration, but they will subject themselves to only one audit rather than uh, 13 different audits f- from all 13 states that they might collect and remit. So uh, for those who been. are not in compli- or not collecting right now, uh, now's a good time to uh, really uh, take a look at the issue as to whether or not you should not be collecting. There's a lot of uh, gray area out there between uh, do you or do you not have nexus, do you or do you not have a uh, requirement to collect for particular states, and, uh, at this time, because of uh, what we've done, we have we're in a one-year window where there's some amnesty that's being offered to uh, uh, remote sellers who would take this time to uh, an advantage of this opportunity to register uh, and start collecting the sales tax.
1: When that when that year is up, then uh, there could be some uh, some penalties involved if uh, if they uh, are not in compliance.
2: And that's true. There's always the risk, you know. Uh, uh, who has to and who does not have to collect and remit sales tax is, a, is an issue in every state. Uh, every state has their tax department that's constantly looking for, uh, for uh, remote sellers or sellers who have an obligation to collect and remit and to see that they do do so. And, of course, there's penalties if you have that obligation and you do not carry it out.
1: So... Now we have everybody, let's assume we have everybody on the same page, and, and the remote sellers we uh, are going to start collecting and remitting sales taxes. Um, one of the things that the streamlined Sales Tax Project did was make it easier for them to do that, right?
2: That's right, yeah. And we have just, in my mind, this is a personal uh, opinion, but we've just scratched the surface as far as uh, simplifying it. Uh, we can go a lot further yet, so, and that'll be an ongoing process. Uh, what the comment way? I make is the road to perfection is is uh-huh. always under construction, and we're on that road.
1: So, tell me about uh, the certified uh, uh, service providers and the certified automation system that was developed uh, under the project that will that will streamline the whole process.
2: Okay, there's there's really two ways to uh, you might say to overturn Quill versus North, uh, North Dakota to remove the complexity. One is to truly simplify laws, and the other, of course, is with the use of software. Uh, i like to think that this project has been a combination of the both. And the software that uh, we envisioned and that has now been developed is called a certified automated system. It's, of course, software that'll uh, just figure out somebody's sales tax based on uh, the zip code of where the product is being shipped. The other uh, creation here is what we call a certified uh, service provider that would be a third party entity that would actually collect and remit a seller's sales tax for them. and uh, the agreement has a, a mechanism in there for these certified service providers to get paid uh, by the states uh, and hopefully it can be done so that it's at a relatively low or no cost to the to the sellers.
1: Uh, how, how will the seller an, uh, find out uh, who uh, is available as a service provider?
2: We don't have the service providers yet. We're in the process. Uh, we're like a week or two away, I believe, of having a uh, automated system service fi- certis- certified, the first one, and then we will. We're in the process of negotiating with companies that are interested in being a CSP, and that's ongoing right now. Once we have them in place. That'll certainly be on the website.
1: So we've, uh, in essence, uh, created a whole new industry with these uh, service providers.
2: We created a whole new industry, and uh, that was uh, on the table from the beginning, how we vision that uh, we might truly move forward and simplify this so that remote sellers can collect and remit the sales tax and that we've truly reduced the burden that has always been placed on them in the past.
1: How much longer do you think it's going to take before uh, all 50 states are involved and all of the questions have sort of been removed? I, su- I assume there will always be questions, but uh, is there is there a timetable that the project is, is looking at? Uh,
2: when I look in the, my crystal ball, I, I would hope that... Uh, like i said this road to perfection is always under construction uh, there's some issues out there that some states really have some serious problems with and it's going to take a uh, much longer for them i think the key is uh... that we get it up and running and we get a year of success underneath us that other states start seeing the uh, the revenue that is now starting to come in that we were losing in the past and uh you know once that happens i think that you're going to see this move rather f- quickly uh, it's tough to put a time frame on there i think we all have our goals uh, i would hope that within five years that uh, uh, a lot of this is behind us
1: will there always be a uh... On, an ongoing uh... committee or uh, project uh, to sort of uh, continue to ride herd on this
2: yes there will that is what we call the governing board and uh... That is what I am the president of right now. I was elected the first president, and uh, my term will end in October of 2006. And and then we have uh, Miss Joan Wagner that'll follow. She's the uh, tax commissioner from the state of Kansas, and so that'll be ongoing for uh, uh, into the unforeseeable future. And the way that we administer this and continually address. Uh, concerns and issues and changes that have to be made.
1: Now, is is it only irony, or was it by design that uh, Dwight Cook, who happens to be from the state that sort of started the whole thing, is uh, very much involved in this?
2: Uh, That is uh, strictly uh, by chance. Uh, It's ironic. Uh, I certainly uh, was not uh, uh, looking for that position. Uh, I think the... uh, the rationale of the of the nominating committee was that uh, they wanted to start out with a legislator, and uh, I was certainly a legislator that's been very active in this from the beginning and probably ended up in, I don't know if I should say, the right spot at the right time or the wrong spot at the right time, but uh, that's how anyway, I got there.
1: It's a big job, and it looks like uh, you've been uh, uh, successful in, uh, in at least uh, getting the ball rolling on what's been a very... Uh, difficult uh, problem, not only for uh, retailers, but I would guess for government entities as well.
2: So. Well, it's, it's been quite a joy, actually. It's, uh, as a legislator, it's uh, been quite an exciting process. You know, when I, I keep saying this road to perfection is always under construction, we have another road out there, and it's, uh, it's that highway system that we all drive on.
1: Uh-huh.
2: You know, Michael, just as there was a day when no one knew what a computer was or what an internet sale was, There was also a day where no one knew what an automobile was or what a road was. Do you know that it was in 1910 that it took till 1910 before this country saw its first stop sign?
1: Didn't know that. And it
2: took another 50 years before we had a standard stop sign across this country, one that is red on both sides and the shape that it is, and so that everybody, no matter where you drive in this country, you know what a stop sign is. But uh, when you think of all of the, uh, the laws that had to be put in place so that we could drive seamlessly across this country, across state borders, uh, I compare that so much to the same challenge that we have right now with this whole new thing called Internet sales. Very good. And we will handle it.
1: Thank you. Dwight, thanks very much for taking the time this afternoon. No problem. We appreciate it.
0: All right, and that wraps up another month of our Practical E-Commerce podcast. Uh, we hope you uh, got some good information out of the interview. If nothing else, uh, some food for thought to go go look for some more answers. Uh, don't forget to check out our website at www.practicalecommerce.com. Uh, you can get tutorials, articles, all kinds of good information for uh, e-commerce business owners and, and really anybody that has uh, any kind of vested interest in e-commerce. So, thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you soon.